Hi, ladies. Before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to come on as promised and announce the winner of the free coaching call. So firstly, thank you so much, all of you who participated and submitted reviews for the podcast. I so appreciate it. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do that. I know it took some time out of your busy day, so I really do appreciate that. And the winner of the free 30-minute coaching call is Caitlin B. And if you're not sure who that is, if you're not sure if you've won or not, this is the podcast review. I love how realistic and relatable Brittany is in the podcast. Super helpful with reminding me to prioritize fitness for myself and family. And I appreciate the how-tos and helpful hints. So, Caitlin, I cannot wait. We are going to hop on a 30-minute call and iron out your nutrition and fitness plan moving forward so that by the end of the call, you can move forward and implement something. Um, Ladies, also, if you are interested in this and now we're like, oh man, I missed the opportunity to do that. Or maybe I submitted a review and I didn't win. You can always sign up for these coaching calls with me on my website, fitmomlifetothefulls.com. Just click the tab. It's right up at the top of the menu. Get your game plan coaching call and we will hop on a call and literally make the 30 minutes what you want it to be. We can talk about your exact goals. I'll iron you out a workout plan for you to follow. We can talk about your obstacles. You know, maybe you always fail the same week on the same days of meal planning, or you never have the right lunches. Like we just iron out everything that's personalized to you, give you a plan to implement right at the end of the call and move forward with. So as always, like I said, you can book those with me on my website, fitmomlifetothefullest.com, under Get Your Game Plan Coaching Call. All right. Thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. Hi there. Welcome to the Fit Mom Life to the Fullest podcast, where we focus on how we can improve our physical health so that we can enjoy the life God has called us to to the absolute fullest. Hello, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I am so fired up about today's episode. And today is going to be a little bit different than what I feel like I usually talk about. I'm going to get a little bit more into the science of your appetite and hunger and what's going on. And the reason I'm doing so, before you just turn me off and you're like, okay, don't just tell me why, we're going to address what you can do about this tangibly going forward. It is so interesting to me, the big nutrition and exercise science nerd over here, but hopefully too as well, learning about these things because it's you, it's your body, it's your hormones. And so many of these things we either did not learn or we don't remember now as adults. And now as an adult woman, you might be, you know, one kid deep, three kids deep, five kids deep, or hoping to get pregnant or whatever, and you're battling the scale going up or, you know, constantly hungry and you're wondering what's wrong with you. You're like, what is wrong with me? Why is this person able to feel full on what they're eating? Why am I not? Why am I always snacking? And there are so many layers and so many levels. And we've talked about some of them on this podcast. You know, emotional eating is a really big thing that affects many of us, myself included. But what we're talking about today is like scientific, it is. It's your body. Not that emotional eating isn't. That's um, more mental, but physically. And what is? What are the drivers in your body that are actually like encouraging you to eat more or to keep eating? And 
it's very interesting the way, I mean, I think I already said interesting about five times, but going down the rabbit hole of food and how food is currently made and why we are having the cravings we're having and all of that is, it's interesting and it's also really sad <laughs> because truly the way that like food companies operate and literally designing foods that they know are not the healthiest for us, but making them as highly palatable as they can so that we truly get addicted to them and can't stop eating them. And then again, we wonder why things are, we feel like it's our fault. Like, oh, I just don't have enough self-control or I just this or that. I just can't do it. I, I just give up. I'm just a person that always gives up on diets. No, perhaps like you are just going down the wrong trail and you, you don't know what you don't know. So my hope for today's episode, and excuse me, because I'm going to be clicking around a little bit to cite some studies and some websites and usually try to do that on my phone, but I've got a lot of tabs open here. So uh, we're going to dive into it, but we'll just get in and it'll make more sense as we go. Um, firstly, the reason that you might be always hungry is the fact that you are, number one, eating a lot of highly processed foods. Okay. So I've talked about processed foods on the podcast before. I talk about it a ton in my eight-week beginner challenge when we're looking at food labels and we go through what highly processed is, minimally processed, et cetera. And of course, I do this with my one-on-one macro clients as well. So this is something that we're talking about all the time, but might be newer to you if you've not personally worked with me before or done my groups before, where you're like, okay, processed foods, what is that? Like chicken, frozen chicken nuggets? Yes and no. There's a lot especially that falls in the sports nutrition world, like protein bars and Quest protein cookies and things like that that can be nice tools that have added protein but are highly processed. And if your diet is composed of a lot, is of like majority's highly processed food, that could be a huge reason that you are always hungry. And there is a study from news news-medical.net that is titled Ultra Processed Foods Delay Satiety increased food intake and weight gain. And it was a really interesting study where they took, uh, let me find the exact, well, first I'll read this description for you. Researchers defined ultra-processed foods as canned or pre-prepared or frozen ready-to-cook dishes or packaged snacks, etc. So again, you're thinking protein bars or like uh, frozen dinners, things that you could just, you know, I don't know, Chef Boyardee, beef ravioli, like open up from a can and whatever. They write that these food items often contain high amounts of additives such as colors and flavors and are also rich in trans fats, salts, processed carbs, and sugars. Firstly, I want to point out fats, carbs, sugar, none of that is the villain here. It's the types that are being used. Trans fats we know now are not great. I've talked about that too a little bit in the oil episode or um, the, the three foods or five foods, however many it was to kick out of your kitchen. We talked about that. If you listen to that episode, if not, you could go back and we, I talked a little bit about the different fats. Same thing with carbs. Carbs are not the devil. So don't think, okay, see, it's carbs that are the problem. No, processed carbohydrates. So you're like the enriched flours, the things that are um, really fast digesting carbs, not the slow digesting complex carbs that are good for us. Okay. These additives and artificial covers are These additives and artificial colors, this is a really important part, are often added to increase the palatability of these foods, which means makes them tastier, makes us want to binge on them. Also, 
they when they're making these highly processed foods, they're adding things to them is what they're saying that increase like inspires you to just eat more of them. I read a study once. I'm not citing that one right now because I don't remember where it came from that Doritos, the way they make Doritos is that no chip tastes the exact same. So that's like every seventh chip you get the same chip so that like your mouth and your taste buds want that different flavor. Like they found a way to give you a different experience just within one bag so it keeps your hand going back into the bag. It doesn't get bored off the same thing. That's why when you are eating whole foods, if you're so used to ultra processed foods, that's why when people are starting to cook, like maybe you're not cooking a variety, but it's like, oh, chicken and rice and broccoli are so boring. Yes and no, because that is pretty boring if it's bland and you're not seasoning it or anything. But your taste buds will actually change once you get off the ultra-processed foods. You will come around to, to tasting the sweetness of a juicy apple and things like that when you're not getting these artificially created foods. Okay, so the team also writes that earlier studies, I'm kind of bouncing around here in the study itself or in the article, have revealed that people eating more ultra-processed foods are at a greater risk of cancers and obesity. This could be due to the ingredients in these foods. Very interesting. Here comes the study. To explore this <laughs> as a fact, this team led by physiologist Kevin Hall, da 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 So what they did was they took 10 men and 10 women who lived on site at the National Institute of Health's campus in Bethesda, Maryland for four weeks. The participants were provided either a diet of whole foods for two weeks or a diet comprising of ultra-processed food for two weeks. Okay, so two different groups. For the next two weeks, the diets were alternated. So four weeks total, both groups eventually got the same, but both types of meals were offered. Both types of meals offered same number of calories, sugar, fat, and fiber, and other nutrients. But then participants were given the choice to eat as much as they wanted in one hour time. From each of the participants, snacks were provided all day. Okay, so with me so far. They're getting whole food, clean whole food meals for a week straight. Then they're getting ultra processed food for a week straight, but they're allowed to eat as many snacks as they want in between and were offered whatever. Dr. Hall said, I was skeptical that we'd see any difference in how many calories people ate, which was the primary difference of our study. They noted when allowed to eat as much as they could, people on the ultra processed diet ate an average of 500 calories more per day compared to themselves when they were on whole foods. So the same people say, I'm doing the study with myself, okay? I eat a diet of whole clean foods for a week and all the meals have the same number of carbs, fat, protein. Then the very next week, I eat the same meals, but it's ultra processed food. I end up consuming 500 more calories a day, a day, not a week, <laughs> a day, just when I'm on when my meals are the ultra-processed food. Why? Because this is not in the study. This is my aside here. They're not as satiating. They don't keep you full. Many times you look at something like, I remember seeing people eating, and I'm not knocking this. If you're there, we all start somewhere, and I definitely, like, I was on the slim fast train when I was, like, 16, you know? Like, we buy into the, the different things that we see, and we want to know if it works. But I remember seeing like lean cuisines in the freezer, different places I worked and things like that because I hadn't bought them myself. And I'd pick them up and look at the back and I'm like, this is so either so high calorie for such little food or just such little food for so low calorie. Like 
that's not going to keep you full either way where I'm thinking if, if they just had like rotisserie chicken and avocado and some rice, they'd be way more full, could eat more of it because of the high amount of calories and the trans fats and, and things that this is usually, um, they are usually created with. So this was so interesting. Um, going back to the study, they explain, Hall explained, this brings us to question what causes people to overeat. And it was not just the sugar or fats in these diets that was causing the weight gain. They explained that those on the ultra-processed diet eat more quickly and consume more. This speed, they speculate, alters the molecular signals that are generated in the body that tell a person to stop eating. When people were consuming the unprocessed diet, the levels of a hormone called PYY, which is an appetite suppressant hormone secreted in the gut, actually increased. And similarly, another hormone that's known to induce hunger called ghrelin decreased, they put deceased, <laughs> I just found a little typo in here, decreased on the unprocessed diet. So we're going to get into ghrelin on the next two, and I don't want to lose you in the science of this, but I hope what you're, you can hear and take away from the study is the fact that the ultra-processed diet led people, even though it was the same balance of carbs, fat, and protein at the meals themselves, led them to eat more throughout the day, 500 calories more per day, because it was not real food. It's chemically created to be this way. I'm just going to do uh, read just one little other snippet. The, the author of the studies wrote that nine participants are up to 1,500 calories per day more when they were on ultra-processed diet compared to when they were on whole food diets. So these are the same people. They're comparing them against themselves. Okay, in total, this was over four weeks, 11 people gained more weight while on ultra-processed foods compared to when they were on whole foods. So literally, it's the same meals. That's that's the crazy thing. Like, yes, it's what else they consumed in the day. So you might think like, well, if I just had those three meals, I'd be fine. I hope you can see that's a losing battle because you're setting yourself up to have cravings the rest of the day. So why not set yourself up for success? Okay, so number one, the takeaway, eat whole clean foods. 80% of your diet should be composed of whole clean foods from a ground from a mother, and really limit the high-processed foods. Okay, I'm probably already talking for 20 minutes just on the first part. Okay, 12 minutes, <laughs> not too bad. Okay, number two on the three reasons that you are always hungry and simple solutions for it is, and two and three are very related, so we're going to dive into both. You aren't drinking enough water. And I know you probably want to just bash me in the head for saying drink water, drink water, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is the most underrated diet nutrition tip. Yes and no. Water is so important. I've talked about water before. No one's ever going to click on an episode titled how to drink more water. I think I have one episode on ways to increase your water intake way back in the archives. Actually scroll back on through and go listen to it because maybe this will at least inspire you that you should be drinking more water. And I include some easier ways to get that in. But um, this article, so like I said, two and three are related, but basically both two and three. So I'll just, I'll say number three as well now, which is that you aren't, you probably aren't sleeping enough. And again, you're like, Brittany, awesome. Now I, how am I supposed to increase my sleep? Especially those of you with a newborn or are pregnant or just have little kids like who are waking up in the night. This sleep is such a do what you can with it. I just encourage you to set yourself up to get enough sleep. Be honest with yourself. Like, is the reason you're not getting enough sleep because you are in that phase or is it because you wait, you stay up until 10 p.m. 
you know, or th that's not even late for many people, but like 12 p.m. or 12 a.m., whatever. Um, you're staying up super late to try to get some time by yourself. And then you are burning the candle at both ends, waking up really early with little ones who are waking up early. And again, these two are related. So I want to dive into, this is from clevelandclinic.org. And both of these, so number two and number three in my tips about drinking enough water and sleeping enough have to do with ghrelin, okay? So if this is the first time you're hearing about this, or again, like maybe way back in the day when you were learning about the body systems, you heard ghrelin, it didn't really pertain to you. Ghrelin is probably a huge factor in why you are constantly feeling hungry and what you can do about it, okay? Again, positive. We're walking away with something to do after you hear this episode, not just think, oh man, well, I hate food companies and my body's working against me. And this is why, like, this is exactly why. Here's my excuse. No, it's so that you can be informed so that you can move forward. So according to clevelandclinic.org, ghrelin is a hormone which your stomach produces and releases. It signals your brain when your stomach is empty and it's time to eat. Ghrelin levels increase between mealtimes and decrease when your stomach is full. So basically, it is just the hormone that is telling your brain like, hey, you are running out of food, okay? It's, think of it like a gaslight in our car. Ghrelin is going to come on when our, we're starting to near empty. But here, so that it doesn't sound like a problem and it's not a problem. It's obviously for our benefit to know when we need to refuel. However, other factors going on in our day can affect how like ghrelin being released more and whatnot. So very interesting because this article, again, this is on clevelandclinic.org, was talking about how, uh, let me go back to it. <laughs> okay, so in addition to being known as the hunger hormone, right, it tells your brain you're hungry. It also increases food intake, which makes sense because it's telling your brain you're hungry and then, you know, the consequences you're going to eat more helps your body store fat, releases growth hormones, plays a role in controlling sugars and how your body releases insulin. So it has just a ton to do with your hunger levels and your insulin regulation, body fat storage. So again, if this is not striking a nerve with you of, okay, why am I battling excess body fat and I feel like I'm doing all the right things, et cetera. Like go through the checklist. We talked about processed foods. Maybe you're eating a diet high in processed foods, but maybe your ghrelin is just increased in your body because of some other factors. So again, according to clevelandclinic.org, here are what can we do about this? So if your ghrelin is out of control, it should be, it should only increase when you truly, your stomach is nearing empty. And this is why a lot of times like Diet magazines, which I don't want to cite as, you know, being worthwhile, but I used to read these as a 15-year-old, 16-year-old, women's health or whatever that would say, or shape magazine stuff that would say, like, are you truly hungry or not? Go drink water, go for a walk, et cetera. And to a degree, I think that was harmful to some people that now are feeling real hunger, but think, oh, I just need to chew gum or I need to go for a walk or whatever. However, it is shown that our bodies can be very confused by all these other outside factors where they're not actually hungry. We just are getting that release of ghrelin, which we shouldn't be getting because we're not hungry. So hopefully you're walking with me so far and I'm breaking this down to make sense. Now we're at the point of thinking, okay, well, I get it, Brittany. Like it might not be true hunger 
right? Think back to that study of the people that ate the same amount of calories at each meal, but then some ate up to 500 more calories or up to 1,500 more calories in just snacks a day because they felt hungry, which in that case was due to ultra-processed food. But there are other reasons they could be feeling hungry. So there's other reasons you could have increased ghrelin. So back to, again, this article from clevelandclinic.org, what can I do to keep ghrelin levels healthy? We want them to be quote unquote normal so that they're really only increasing when we have true hunger, not that they're just elevated all the time. Okay. Number you can keep, and this is back to the article, you can keep ghrelin and other hormone levels healthier by practicing good lifestyle habits, such as number one, avoid fad or yo-yo dieting where you gain and lose weight frequently. This is just like, okay, first and foremost, I talk about this a lot with clients and how harmful it is to hop on to any kind of diet and then hop off. This is why I do discourage diets like keto or Weight Watchers, things that you're probably going to do for the short term. So what I promote if you're new around here is starting out with tracking your macros in, in an app and then leading to eating intuitively. That's the goal to get you Firstly, aware of what you're eating and then balancing out the right balance for your body through using the actual numbers and seeing it. It's not the same as counting calories. It's not the same as Weight Watchers because doing like something like Weight Watchers or um, what is the one where you put everything in containers, like that kind of thing. If it does not, if you don't learn how to do it without doing that process, you're going to be married to that for the rest of your life or it's going to become a yo-yo, right? I have had many clients who were like, oh, I did Weight Watchers, I stopped, or I'm going to go back on Weight Watchers, it worked. Yes, and it's a, that one's very similar in many ways to tracking macros. But if it doesn't lead you off of it into real life where you are able to do this by yourself, then it's going to just be a yo-yo. You're always going to hop back onto it when you need to check back in. Tracking macros is not like that because it teaches you what your food consists of and then frees you up to be able to keep eating that way without logging. So you're not going to be logging an app the rest of your life. It teaches you how to eat intuitively. I don't think it's easiest for most people to start off with eating intuitively, which is the route that many people promote um, and say, just eat whole clean foods and you don't need to track macros or anything like that. But I do think because of these reasons, many of us, like because of our ghrelin being out of whack and whatnot, and our, our ignorance around food, we are not able to just eat intuitively right out of the gate because we don't know what that means or what that looks like. If you just say, listen to your body, yeah, you might just be eating a ton of carbs because carbs are going to top off your glycogen stores and get you that immediate energy. So I'm going down a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I definitely promote and practice myself Currently, I practice eating intuitively and I haven't tracked in forever. So I promote tracking macros, but for it to lead to eating intuitively, okay? And that is not a yo-yo diet. It is not a fad diet. It is eating 80% whole clean foods, 20% treats and indulgences according to the balance that your body needs macro-wise. Macros are your carbs, fat, and protein. It's just balancing it out. It's looking at your meals saying, this is, okay, a balanced breakfast, a balanced lunch for my body. And that is going to help you not yo-yo. All right. Tangent soapbox over. <laughs> Stop the fad diets. Stop looking around at the next shiny thing and saying, I just, we just wrapped up our eight week challenge. 
Many women had amazing progress in the eight weeks, mostly mental because we're setting the foundation for going on physical, some amazing physical progress as well in the eight weeks. Some had great progress that they are not happy enough with because it is slower than fad diets. So by the end of the eight weeks, it's, oh, well, I only lost six pounds and I only see a slight difference. So now I think I'm going to do keto. Now I think, you know what? My friend had a good, you know, lost a quick 15 pounds on Octavia. I'm going to go do that. Great. And then you're going to be back to doing it in another three months. You fad diets, yo-yo diets do not work. They are going to mess with your hormones, mess with your metabolism, and you're going to have to keep looking for something or going back to that every couple months. If you want to eat from a box your entire rest of your life, then yeah, go do Octavia. (laughs) Okay. Now I think I'm really done on my soapbox. Okay. Number two, (laughs) how to keep ghrelin levels healthy is what I'm still talking about. Number two is eat a diet. And this is interesting because they say high in healthy carbohydrates, such as whole grains, and then also a diet high in lean proteins, such as chicken or fish. I find it interesting that they did not list fat on there. So again, I would say a diet rounded out in healthy carbohydrates, good fats, and lean proteins. Okay. And that's exactly what I was just talking about, your balance of macros. Number three, hello, which brings us all the way back to my first point, which wasn't even related to this study, limit processed foods, especially foods high in sugar, high fructose corn syrup, and salt. And that's a whole rabbit trail to go down to because salt in and of itself is not the enemy and can and it, a lot of people are actually low in salt and that's going to help you stay hydrated but it, we'll just go with the umbrella of limit processed foods we don't want the the salt and the sodium from processed foods we want to be naturally putting salt on our whole clean foods so if i didn't <laughs> encourage you to limit your processed foods enough in point 1 take that from this as well Here's the next one. Sleep at least seven to eight hours nightly. This helps keep your ghrelin levels healthy. Again, ladies, like we cannot be perfect on this and a lot of times cannot control this. So we can follow everything else on the list and do the best that we can with sleep. But again, try to try to help yourself out here and, you know, control what you can control. Plan to try to get that seven, eight hours. And if it's out of your control from kids waking up and that season of life that, you know, that happens. I'm still, I literally had to pause this episode to go up. I'm I'm recording this in the early morning, which is why I'm almost whispering today. And I had to go up and nurse (laughs) during the episode about halfway through. So I get it. We're still doing that over here, but I still, it's such a difference when I'm burning the candle at both ends, staying up late to hang out with my husband and then waking up early to work. I can only do that for so long before it's, I totally notice it in my appetite. I notice it in my temperament as well. I'm a much shorter, snappier, but that's whole, you know, again, another rabbit trail. But sleep is important. So get what you can. Okay, next, stay hydrated by drinking plenty of water and eating water filled foods such as fruits and vegetables. So somewhere in this study, it showed, oh, here we go, because um, it has just different sections of the article and one said, how do you lower ghrelin? And says, because obviously that's a a very applicable question. Like, okay, if ghrelin increase makes me want to eat more, how do I lower it? Ghrelin levels tend to rise and fall with how much you eat, but they may decrease when you are hydrated and increase when you're dehydrated. 
So that is why you might just feel more hungry when you're not actually hungry. You are dehydrated because it's going to spike your ghrelin in the same way that it would if you don't if you are actually hungry. Does that make sense? So again, those diet magazine stuff were onto something saying drink water and then see if you're still hungry. But here's the thing, ladies, a lot of times we do that too late in the game. If you haven't been drinking enough water all day and then you get to, you know, 4 p.m. and you feel ravenous and you think, okay, well, maybe I am just thirsty, so I'm going to drink a little water first and you drink some water and you still feel true hunger, right? It's just too late in the game. Like you needed that hydration all day long. If it was the same day and you had had water space throughout the day and you get to 4 p.m., you might feel a little bit differently. You might not feel so ravenous. Like it's like... You know, if you had a little cut and if you would have put a bandaid on it, you would have been fine, but you ignored it and then it got bigger in the day, like it opened up more. By now, that bandaid's not going to do anything. Now you need a gauze pad. You know what I mean? You got to take care of things earlier on. So with both um, your food and your water, I promote having a balance throughout the day. So food-wise, at each meal, this is something... I was just talking about with a client the other day, and this I think would definitely help your ghrelin levels as well to not not just look at your day of macros and think, okay, I have this many carbs to work with, this much fat, so I'm going to have like waffles for breakfast because I really want waffles, and then I'll just eat you know more fat and protein later on because that can affect your appetite in that way of carbs are going to make your blood sugar spike, and then they're going to crash, and then you're going to be really hungry and depleted after that. So it's much better to just balance the actual meal out to have, you don't have to not have the waffle, but to have half a waffle or one waffle, whatever the size is, and then pair it with a fat and protein. So it's just more, you're balancing out your levels at that meal. Same thing with water then, instead of thinking like, oh, I did not you know, drink any water this morning. So now I'm just going to chug a lot later on. It's not, it doesn't have the same benefit to your body. So as much as we can, again, no one's perfect, but taking this information, knowing that we can set ourselves up for success and not be literally working against ourselves. If you're eating a highly processed food diet and you're not drinking a lot of water, you are having a lot of coffee and caffeine to stay up and you're not sleeping enough. And then you're trying to like mitigate the situation by adding in extra workouts. I will have people in this exact scenario who are drinking a ton of caffeine to keep themselves going, who are not sleeping, but could be like, are not even in the season of life where they have little ones. And then they're telling me like, do you think I just need to add in a second workout a day? No, I think you need to chill to to cool off the workouts for a second. Take that time to Make yourself a big, beautiful salad with grilled chicken and tons of veggies and some good quality fats, some avocado, some olive oil. Slow down, enjoy your meal, and then maybe like go for a walk because right now you're just trying to hammer at both ends and it's not working. You are working against nature, working against your body, and you need to like heal your metabolism, heal your hormones. Okay. Whew, I could talk about this literally for the next 12 hours, so I'm going to cap myself there because I'm speaking at the time. But I hope that I left you with some tangible takeaways and some, you know, I would say number one takeaway is to limit your processed food. And number two and three are to drink more water, sleep as much as you can, but just be aware of it's not you, it's your hormones some of the time. And 
you need to help yourself out eat more whole clean foods and that's last time i'm gonna say that (laughs) all right ladies if this was helpful and you know brought you any value today i would love if you would take a second to rate and review the podcast or share it with a friend as always, also, if you have any questions or feedback for me, you can email me at fitmomlifetothefullest at gmail.com. And if you want to see what it would be like to work with me and to hear this 24-7 in your ear, um, you can head over to fitmomlifetothefullest.com. All right. I hope you have a great rest of your day. I'll talk to you next episode.